It's the 21st of July, 2021. We see that all the people who are born into this world are able to come here, to be born as humans due to the merit, the skillful deeds that they have created. And uh, this human body that we gain, it allows us to practice the Dhamma, that with a human body we can gain an understanding of the teachings and the truth that the Buddha pointed to. And uh, so for us we have this faith and belief in the Triple Gem, the gem of the Buddha, the gem of the Dhamma, the gem of the Sangha. And these are the gems, the jewels, which have immense value. So even if we take all of the jewels in this world which people consider to have great value, and uh, even the jewels in heaven, and none of these can equal, none of them can compare to the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. So when we understand this, then we put our efforts into uh, building up our Bharami, so as Buddhists, we have faith. And sometimes as children, that our faith that comes from what we've seen other people do. Perhaps we follow our parents, and that they are generous, and so we are generous as well. And uh, this can just become a normal and consistent part of our lives, uh, being generous, donating things. So this can come from uh, what we've seen. Perhaps we see the elderly people go out in the morning to offer food to the monks on arms round. And so this is a strong tradition, especially in the countryside of Thailand. But it also happens in Bangkok as well, that the monks go on arms round and uh, people give them food in the mornings. And so for myself, when I was about 10 years old, uh, my mother had a younger brother who ordained for one rains retreat. So I stayed in the monastery temporarily. And at 5 a.m., one of the monks would ring a bell uh, to signal the start of the morning chanting. And because I was staying in the monastery, I couldn't just sleep in. I had to wake up and join in the morning chanting as well. And then when this had finished, I would follow the monks on their arms round, and I would help uh, receive the food from the monks and carry that for them. And I felt very um, kind of awake and fresh in the morning because of the cool weather. And, uh, so for the lay people who offer food to monks, um, this becomes just a part of their character a part of what they do um, on a daily basis, uh, to offer uh, monks food like this. And, uh, you can do so just normally. Some people do it especially often during the rains retreat. Perhaps go to the monastery and take up the precepts on the lunar observance days and listen to the Dhamma, practicing generosity, keeping sila, and meditating as well, 
And all of these are means for cultivating merit. But if we're going to talk about deeper aspects of the Buddhasasana, uh, gaining an understanding into the subtle and deep teachings of the Dhamma, then it's probable that the average Buddhist, the Buddhists who do this, uh, go to the monastery. Um, most of them haven't yet received that. But they make merit following the customs and traditions that have been passed down to them. Go to the monastery and take the precepts, for instance, and listen to the Dhamma. And so when I was staying in the monastery, this is what the elderly people would do. Then after listening to the Dhamma, um, some of them would lie down and have a rest. But nowadays things are changing, and many young people have gained an interest in the Dhamma, and many old people have lost the interest in the Dhamma, don't have an interest in it. So we say that it's difficult to be born as a human, and gaining the body of a human, this is something that's hard. But what's even more difficult than this is gaining the mind of a human. And we see that now in this present day, uh, the world is filled with humans. That just 50 years ago in Thailand, uh, there was the population of 10 million. Uh, but now it's over 70 million. And this is happening all around the world. That the populations of countries is increasing, the number of people are growing. But these are physical humans. What's more hard than this, than the arising of a physical human, is a mental human, a mind which is human. And the comparison that's given uh, to how hard it is to be born as a human <coughs> is like if there's a blind turtle that's uh, swimming in the great ocean, and there are four winds which are blowing a piece of bamboo along the surface, and there's a hole in the middle of that uh, bamboo log. And every 100 years, this turtle will surface. So what are the chances then that this turtle will meet with this bamboo stick? Well, it's very small, it's very difficult for this to happen. But the chances that the turtle will surface and stick its head through the hole in that piece of bamboo this is harder still. So for all of the people in this world to find just some who are willing or have the intention to keep the five precepts for their entire lives, it's very, very difficult uh, to find. And how many people can do this? How many people are intent to do this? There's very, very few in this entire world. The Buddha gave the simile to like how a cow or a bull has uh, two horns, but many, many hairs on its body. And so the Buddha taught many people during his life, uh, but not all of them understood his teachings. And those who did, they had the barami there already, they created the merit to do that already, that their minds were in a state that they could receive the Dhamma and gain a clear understanding of it. But it's only a few of them who could do this. 
when we consider the Dhamma, we think that really it should be something that's easy to understand. Because the Dhamma, it's not hidden, and it's not been covered up in any way. It's not a, an esoteric teaching, um, it's something that is revealed. And so this is a truth which is always open, it's always there, it's undisclosed. And this Dhamma which we're trying to seek out, um, if it was hidden, if it was covered up, then it'd be very difficult to find. But it's not that way, it's open and revealed already. The nature of change in all physical and mental things, it's open and revealed already. And do we see that? Have we seen that? And people who are old, people who are sick, people who have died. And this shows us that this nature of change, I mean, constancy is something which does exist. It's just that we haven't seen it clearly yet. And so it's actually our minds which have covered these things up. And our minds themselves are covered up. So these four foundations of mindfulness, for example, having mindfulness over the jitta, the mind. And sometimes this mind has uh, greed, hatred, and delusion within it. And sometimes these things come up because ignorance is conditioning the mind. And the mind gets deluded into these states, deluded about its greed, its hatreds, deluded into attaching to a self. Deluded about fear, about love, about hate. And this is all because of ignorance conditioning the mind. So this isn't actually us. These things aren't us. It's just that this ignorance and this proliferation tricks the mind into believing, into following and running after all of these moods and sense impressions. But if our minds have mindfulness and there's a knowledge an awareness there over the mind, and then we'll see that these things, they're not actually my mind. It's just that ignorance is there, um, and we deludedly cling to and believe in that uh, proliferation that the ignorance throws up. So we contemplate these things as changing, that they're not sure, that they're not a being, a self, a me or another. These are just Sankara's conditioned phenomena. This is just proliferation. And all of it has arising, lasting and ceasing as its nature. So sometimes the mind is absent of greed, hatred and delusion. There's joy, there's happiness there that comes from samadhi. And so we know the mind in that state. And sometimes there's liking, attraction towards things that are desirable. And we know that. And we know what the mind is like in that state. Or what the mind is like in any state. We have a clear understanding of what it is. And we see that all of these things are normal. So we come to train our minds. And we train our minds to go against the stream of our emotions. But this is something that is quite difficult to do. But if we can do it, if we can go against the flow, the stream of the world, then the mind will fall into the stream of the Dhamma.
And this is what sotapanas have done. Their minds have fallen into the stream of the Dhamma. So if we just follow the stream of the world, the, the flow of the world, then this will just bring us to difficulty and hardship. And this is what many people have done, that they're born into this world. And if they don't have much mindfulness and wisdom, and they're not fortunate to be close to wise people, then they just don't have much knowledge there within their minds. And they don't know, they're not aware of the teachings of the Buddha. So they're constantly following the stream of their emotions and sense impressions, and that's all their life consists of. And even in Buddhist countries, this happens. The people see monks, meditation monks, and they may see them very frequently, but there's no interest that occurs in their mind. And because all that's there is the sense of self, me and mine, and they have a lot of effort, but that effort goes into their work, goes into worldly things. And their minds are always running, following all of their moods and these sense impressions, always chasing after their fears, their loves, their hates, always being pulled along by the flow, the stream of the world. And they don't see the noble truth of suffering. But if they gain some wisdom, and they do see this noble truth of suffering, then they understand as well that they don't want to suffer, that they just wish for happiness. And so they'll try to find a path that can free them, that can take them out of this suffering. And they'll be very intent to meditate, to follow this path, to find methods which work, which can take us out of suffering. So really these methods are sila, samadhi, and panya, virtue, collectedness, and wisdom, and just that. So we should try to be virtuous, to collect our actions of body and speech and be restrained about them. And then we collect our mind, we restrain our minds, and uh, bring them into samadhi, to have mindfulness over the body, uh, the feelings, the mind, and the Dhamma. So perhaps we have mindfulness over uh, the mind, over the jitta, and we see the mind may be in a state of happiness and rapture, and so we know that. And we know what it is that brought these feelings of joy, of happiness about. Or perhaps there's greed, hatred, and delusion which are present within the mind, and so we know the mind in that state and what it contains. And then what is it that brings about greed, hatred, and delusion? We know that as well. And if there's no greed, hatred, and delusion, we also know that. And so this is using the mind as the foundation of our mindfulness. To be contemplating the mind and taking this mind as a basis for our recollection, for our knowledge. But knowing the mind, following up on it, and being aware of it, this is something that requires quite a lot of samadhi to do this well. And uh, a level of samadhi which is more than what is common or normal. So in the beginning, we can look at the mind in order to get a degree of knowledge, in order to know what it contains. 
for example, of greed, hatred, delusion are there, then we know that they're there. And we know that they've arisen due to uh, the presence of me and mine within the heart. Due to the attachment there, because the mind is still attached to the body. And so then this brings us back to this body. And so we look at the body, look at form. If there's delight, lust towards these forms, um, then we know that. And if there's disliking or anger, then we know that. And so if there's lust, then we can ask ourselves, are these bodies beautiful? And we see that really they're not. And through contemplating the unattractive aspects of the body, then the desire and the lust that we have towards bodies steadily reduces. If there's hate that comes up, we can ask ourselves, what is it that we're angry uh, towards? So we can ask ourselves, what is what is it that we're angry um, towards? And are we really different? And me and them? And what are these things that uh, we're angry towards? And we see that really there isn't actually an us. There isn't an other. Because it's just these four elements that have come together. And they're all the same. My four elements, other people's four elements, these are all the same. And this knowing element, this is also not me, not mine. It's just a condition of nature. But if ignorance comes up, then this will coerce us into attaching to this as being me and mine. And this is something that's normal for the mind which is afflicted with ignorance to do. Because this ignorance, it craves after a sense of self. It craves to be, it craves to become. Because we think that if we don't have a self, if we aren't anything, then we won't have any happiness. But the truth is that, and it'll think that if we don't have a sense of self, then there won't be any um, encouragement or kind of enthusiasm uh, to do anything or to gain happiness. But the truth is that if there isn't the sense of self there, then there will be energy in the heart. And it will give us this energy um, and this push to practice. So the Buddha gained purity within his own heart on the 15th day of the sixth lunar month. And he had pure kindness and compassion within his heart as well. And this is what inspired him to teach the five ascetics who had Venerable Anya Kondanya as their leader. So in the first teaching, uh, Venerable Anya Kondanya um, gained the eye of Dhamma and became a Sotapanna, and his heart entered the stream, the flow of the Dhamma, and through seeing all things as being anicca, dukkha, anatta, as changing, as being stressful, as not-self. So in this practice, um, all of us should try to have mindfulness and to have minds which are collected and firmly established. And sometimes if the mind can gain samadhi and gain a good level of samadhi, 
um, then we may see the mind as it proliferates. And through doing this, wisdom and insight can arise. And so this is bhavana mayapanya, uh, the wisdom that comes from cultivation. And there are three kinds of panya, of wisdom. And the first is uh, sutta mayapanya, that which comes from listening. And then there's uh, the wisdom that comes from thinking and contemplating. Then there's the wisdom which comes from a meditation, from a cultivation. So there's one time during which I listened to the Dhamma and my mind gathered together. And this happened without my intending for it to happen. It just came together all by itself. And so knowledge arose that all things are empty. And through this my mind became very radiant and it filled up with happiness. And I gained an insight. I hadn't seen these things before. This happened when I was a layperson, that I kept the eight precepts uh, for eight months before I ordained as a monk at Wat Nambapong, at Lumpur Cha's monastery. And I, as a layperson, uh, before I ordained, I stayed in a monastery that was close to my home in Ayutthaya. And there was a small hut in which I lived. And so I took up this practice of staying in an empty dwelling. And on the Lunar Observance Days, uh, we would listen to Dhamma talks of Lumpucha. And so during this one, my mind gathered together. and saw all things as being empty, and this is something that's very amazing. This knowledge arose, insight arose. And I uh, saw all things arising and ceasing. This is the nature of all sankharas, of all conditions. So there are nine of these uh, knowledges of insight, vipassana, yanas, um, that of seeing the arising and ceasing of sankharas, seeing sankharas uh, decay, deteriorate and end, seeing all sankharas as being something fearful, as dangerous things. Or seeing how forms are not beautiful. And when we see the sankharas, um, conditioned phenomena, in this light, then we'll feel as though they're like a house which is caught on fire. And so it's just normal for people in this world um, that if they're caught in a house which is on fire, then they'll try desperately to find a way out. And if there's a factory which is caught on fire, for example, then they'll feel the heat of the flames. And they just can't stay there anymore, especially if it's a chemical fire. And when they hear the news that this fire has occurred, then they'll have to run away. They'll try to escape because they see the dangers of it. So when knowledge, this jnana, arises, then the mind sees the world in this light, sees how all people in this world are very close to their deaths. And it gains a disillusionment towards the world. It feels like we just can't stay here anymore. It feels like there's a fire which has arisen and we have to find a way out. 
have to try to find a path out of old age sickness and death. So when this knowledge, jnana, arises, then we see things in this way, see all sankhara's conditions as being anatta, not self, that all physical and mental things are this way. And so there's no desire towards anything in the world. You see that all people in this world will have to die. And this is what happens when this knowledge arises very clearly, and we see the Dhamma. And the mind abides in an equanimous state. There's no attraction or aversion towards things. And there's joy and happiness which arises, and this can come up for many months at a time, perhaps three months. It's very uh, amazing when this arises. And this comes up due to the wisdom which has arisen from our meditation. And so it's really uh, miraculous, and the Dhamma is miraculous in this way. So even though the Buddha passed away into Fano Nibbana already, it's still possible for us to practice and to see clearly in this way, to see the Dhamma, to see the truth, uh, to gain this wisdom which comes from our cultivation. And if people do practice like this, then they will see like this. And so it's important for us to put our energy into our meditation, to set our hearts on it and to not give up. To really be sincere, to not get discouraged. And for those people who have the intention to ordain and to not disrobe, to stay as monks for the rest of their lives, in order for them to get this kind of thought, in order for them to have this kind of sincerity, it shows that they must have barami already. So in that case, we should set our hearts on this practice. And this is true also for the laity as well, that even though you may live in a family, it's still possible, and many people do do this, uh, to practice without just or to, to live with that in that family life without throwing the practice away, but to always be devoted into practicing and to building up goodness and to cultivating generosity, virtue, and meditation constantly, seeing the danger in old age, sickness, and death. And we don't know when this is going to come up for us. We don't know when these things are going to arise within our own bodies, and so we shouldn't be heedless but rather try to develop a lot of barami and merit. And as we do this, then in the end we'll have to meet with peace of mind, this peace of samadhi. And then from this knowledge arises, jhanas can arise, and we can see clearly, see clearly in a way that's very amazing and miraculous. Initially the practice is something that's not easy. Sometimes we're peaceful, sometimes we're not. And we fall over a lot, we stumble a lot, and then we pick ourselves up and stumble again. And things are very confused. They're kind of all over the place. We can have many doubts. And there can be all kinds of things which occur within our practice and within our hearts. Many different emotions which comes up. And for myself, I was very fortunate um, that I had this opportunity to be close to Lumpur Cha and receive his teachings. 
And he told me about the methods of the practice. And told me how to, in a way that gave me great confidence in this path of practice. And a way that allowed me to understand it with greater clarity. So one of the things that he told me was about contemplating the body. He said that if the mind, if we've trained the mind in a way that um, prevents it from getting into liking and disliking, that brings it into a centered state and that arrives at peace, then we should come back to contemplate this body. And we can pull its skin off in our mind's eye and see how the whole body underneath is just red. And that's because it's full of these blood vessels. And so sometimes we can contemplate in this way, see it like this, pull the skin off and see how there's just redness there underneath uh, due to all the blood flowing around. And if we did this with our own body in real life, then the smell that would come up of raw flesh uh, would be really unattractive, the smell just from our own bodies. So we see that these things, they're really not beautiful at all. And we see them as being asuba in this way. And then when the body breaks apart, we can see it as being anatta, as not-self. So therefore we should train, we should practice, uh, following our means, following our energy, to not just throw this practice away, not to toss it out. Really establish our efforts, establish our hearts, and set our minds on this, on meditating, on practicing, whether we're standing, walking, sitting, lying down, always be keeping our meditation objects with us, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, for instance, and to not let our minds slip up on this. But to hold our sincerity there, to be restraining our body and speech within the precepts, and to do this well. So this range retreat will be the 37th Rains Retreat um, of this monastery of Wat Mapjan. And, uh, and so we've been practicing a lot um, in this monastery, practicing meditating a lot. And so if we try to hold our mindfulness and to keep our mindfulness with us, to be chanting a lot, and then in the end we will have to meet with peace. And we can see. Um, through the stillness um, of the mind, that this body, it really isn't me or mine. And the mind gains knowledge of this little by little, seeing into the anatta of this body. But in the beginning, there's just inner chaos, that everything's stirred up. There can be a huge amount of hate within the mind, and the mind can have all kinds of thoughts, think about many, many things, and many bad things, and we don't want for the mind to be this way, to be thinking in this way, but it's something that's beyond our control, because it's a sankhara, it's a conditioned phenomena. So sometimes there are wholesome things, and many times there are unwholesome things. And perhaps we just want for there to be only good thoughts arising, but there are still defilements present within our minds, and these defilements, they're not good things. And so they push the mind into proliferating like they always had done. But whatever the case, we shouldn't give up. Even though occasionally we may become disheartened, discouraged, we should never give up. 
but really devote this life to practicing the Dhamma. That if it's not good, let it die. And if it won't die, then make it good. So we really need to try, really need to put our efforts in in order to obtain this Dhamma. So like how Lumpucha said that he had to pass through the jaws of tigers, pass over haunted graves in order to find these teachings of truth. And for those who teach us in this way, who say these words, these words and their teachings, they're coming from a pure heart, a heart which has attained to the truth already. So for us, we should follow these. We have this faith, this belief in the Krubhajans and the great teachers already, so we should practice following their teachings. And as we do this, then joy will arise within the heart. And when the heart is in an uplifted and joyful state, then the practice becomes a lot easier. What's of great importance are the qualities of mindfulness and samadhi. Um, That these are what allow for wisdom to arise. So sometimes in the practice we stumble and fall, but we have to pick ourselves up and keep on going. And many times this is what the practice is like, falling over and then pulling ourselves up, falling over and pulling ourselves up. But as we carry on, then there will be peace which comes up, and then wisdom will arise. And so we shouldn't give up, but set our hearts on this instead, to really be intent on this practice, whether we're monastics or laity, to always be seeking out the truth, and really try and be intent on finding the truth within this very life. Because if we don't do that, then we'll have to be born and die again, We'll have to meet with pandemics and illnesses again. We'll have to meet with war in this world. Because the world, it's not a peaceful place. And that's what it's been like for every era, for every generation. So if we have wisdom then we'll see that all the things of this world, they're unstable, they're inconstant, and they are just this way. They're of the nature to arise, stay for a bit, and cease. And through perceiving this, then we gain an understanding. We we can see the Dhamma. And as we see the... uh, Well, we've seen this already, really. We've seen people who are old, people who are sick, and people who have died. But these are things which we should bring within ourselves as well and understand that these are all just normal events, that this is what people in the world have to go through, that life is like this. It's not something that we're able to escape from, that life is not sure, but death is sure. So what we should try to do is gain a new birth, for the mind to be born anew. And we do this um, through taking the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha as our refuge, and through making the mind gain a human birth. And then when the mind develops a lot of goodness and gains the joy of that, then it gets born as a deva, a celestial being, 
it raises up to a higher level. So we should try to make sure that the mind at least just goes between these two states, uh, between the state of a human and a deva, back and forth, back and forth. We have the quality of virtue, we build up a lot of goodness, and we try to do this very often and recollect this goodness very often. And then our minds get pulled up, they get uplifted um, into the state of a celestial being. And so a deva is uh, one who is exalted, an exalted being. They have these two qualities of hiri and otapa, um, a wholesome and appropriate um, fear and shame of wrongdoing. So for us, we should set our hearts on practicing in this way. And as we carry on doing that, in the, in the end, we will have to gain an understanding. We'll have to see the Dhamma, see the truth. So we should devote ourselves to cultivating, developing these minds. And because we are those who wish to see the Dhamma, and so we should set our hearts on this, because this path, it is the right path. <laughs>